Hey folks, Travis here. This is False. I wanted to jump in here off the top to let you know that there are a ton of audio issues with this particular episode. We brought on Emma Starr the first time we've had her on. It's just me and her. And um, the problem with that is that we thought we had our audio stuff figured out. And we didn't. And, um, well... The result is it's kind of hard to hear the both of us. There's a little bit of, uh, there's a lot of background noise. So I apologize in advance for that. There's a lot of great content in there if you can withstand the um, the audio issues. If this is your first time listening to This Is False, perhaps go try an older episode that has uh, a bit better audio quality so you know we're not really bad at this or whatever. Um, anyway, I guess enjoy it. It me. How you doing? I am. It's you. It's me. I am great. I'll be even better in a few weeks when I can see your face again. Like in real life. Like IRL. Yeah. Not like, well, not you, like through Discord. You took it away on Discord, anyways. So. I did take it away on Discord. I'm sorry about that. You should be. Uh, yeah. I'm very, <laughs> very sorry about That's it. That's my only way. It's uh, my only way to see your face these days. So. Yeah. Well. Yeah, so this is false. I'm Travis Laver. Emma Starr is a new person. Huzzah! Um, Although you've Star, mentioned we're, me we're a few gonna... times. Yeah, we mentioned Star a lot. We it makes my heart that. happy. Yeah, so you are you're like the the roving, the like the roving instructor. <laughs> you're just around. You're providing us with content. You're like you've offered to edit, and I haven't taken you up on that yet, but I will. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, you're, you're kind of the unofficial sixth host because we just are, keep compiling hosts now. I, I'm like a ghost host. You're like a ghost writer, ghost host. Yeah. And weeks like this when Kit is dealing with a gaggle of small, tiny kittens. Oh, and they're so cute. And when, and when Mo is dealing with working a jobs and when, other, capitalism. And when, when Evelyn, yeah, Evelyn and Gladys are dealing with what they're dealing with we uh, we have to have a, also because capitalism yeah i'm the only one that has to be here every time because i have the equipment also because capitalism but you have to be here because you don't have a job because i'm jobless yeah that's what i was like, getting at because of, of the because of the, the, the capitalism thing yeah the big c <laughs> the big c so um you are not in canada you are in I don't know why, but like I do know why. I know why. But, but also, you're in Indiana, which is just a place, yeah. which is a place where not many people really want to be. I feel. No one, so, like, no one wants to be in Indiana specifically. Um, <laughs> well, there was a, I saw someone on Twitter post like a, like a thing about Indiana, and it was like, hmm. um, Indiana taking over the United States with boringness. <laughs> was boringness. If you're with, with, you're within like three states of Indiana, then you're at risk. You're at risk. So I feel had, like, like a map of like it had like a map of like you're actually in Indiana. Like the heat uh, hot like, spots. The next, the next ring out is like you are unsafe. <laughs> That's amazing. I feel like Indiana is yeah. a bit like the like Saskatchewan of um of the United States. Um, mm-hmm. and I bet like most people in Indiana don't even know what Saskatchewan is. <laughs> That's probably true. I've always considered Montana to be the Saskatchewan. Oh, yeah, that United makes sense. States, but I feel like Montana is, like, significantly cooler than Saskatchewan. Yeah. No, Montana's, like, um, 
Maybe like like Manitoba, because Manitoba has like Winnipeg, which is terrible, but also kind of interesting, you know? Yeah, it's, then, it's a strange city, but a kind of a good one yeah. in ways. Yeah. It's a very weird city. Kind of like Montana. Very, very troubled. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Indiana has Indianapolis, which is What's in Indianapolis? City. Yeah. Like, what's in... Exactly. What's in Indianapolis? Fuck Indianapolis. <laughs> I am surrounded by, like, literally one block away um, where I stay here um, is a house with, like, a big Trump sign. And uh, they have, like, a, a giant, like, truck with, with uh, big monster truck wheels. Um, and I feel like there's always, yeah. like, some big, giant, bald dude with no shirt on outside being angry all the time. And... Like, that that feels like it encompasses the true spirit of Indiana for me. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. I mean, it is, after all, the state of Mike Pence. The... Um, uh, former vice president. But... Um, we need to escape this. Yeah, it, it's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a red state, right? Yeah. It's, it's definitely a red state. Yeah, it's definitely a very red state. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. There are some wonderful, wonderful people that, like, make it, you know, purple. Um, cause there's some, some great blues yeah, around well, here, some great purples. Um, but yeah, well, it's very interesting. suck too, so we're not like, we're, we're, we're on record of not supporting either one of the bullshit <laughs> in the U.S. So. Exactly. Really. <laughs> so it's all just a hellhole. It's, it's not like we're sitting here, it's not like we're sitting here going, oh, New York is so great because it's blue, because no. No. Fuck that. No. They're, but, yeah. Democrats are just like the super libs. They're not any yeah. better. Mm-hmm. Oh God, we will talk about but, uh, King Democrat Joe Biden in a little bit, but um, but I did meet someone in here. Wa- oh no, King King Democrat. Sorry, there's a little bit of a delay, but King Democrat Uncle Joe. Yeah, Uncle Joe. Yeah, King Democrat Ugh. Uncle Joe. He, uh we'll we'll talk about him in a little bit when we talk about Israel Palestine, which we are going to bring up for the second straight episode because I think it's uh, the most important thing going on right now. And you want to hear uh, me yell? Is yeah, and also you didn't get to talk about it last week, so <laughs> we're gonna do that. And uh, I know but, um, we want to give everyone a really good first impression of me, which is mostly yeah. me yelling about things. <laughs> it's funny because you do have like, like you know, a very innocent sounding voice. You are very, and you're very like small. You're small as a person. Yeah, like I, I'm and, very like, innocent everything until you know me. Yeah, like. Like, I make fun of you in the fall because you have, you have, a, look, you have a look that I call uh, pumpkin spice. Yeah, star. pumpkin spice star. Um, <laughs> which, is, which is one of my favorite my favorite looks, but it does not intimidate as, as a rule. And I use this but, to my uh, advantage. Yeah, one of the things I've always loved about you is that, like, in spite of this very innocent appearance, you have no problem tearing a motherfucker down. Nah, which gee. is my favorite thing about you. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that you uh, can appreciate that I will tear the entire system down. Um, yeah, and pretty I'm tr- much on your own. And this is me trying to use my, like, right now I'm really working hard to use my, like, big girl podcast voice. You know, I'm trying to sound like a full-grown human as much as I can. I doubt that it's working. Um, Are you using your, is this your professional voice? Uh, yeah, I guess. I guess. I don't know. Even when I'm trying to do my like my Zoom calls, I was just thinking back to my Zoom calls that I did this morning. And I was like, no, I sound like a five-year-old there, too. No wonder I don't get hired for things. People think I'm probably, like, 12. <laughs> well, I don't get hired for things either, so I don't think I sound 12. 
Maybe at least 15. <laughs> at least 15. No, you don't get hired so for things I, because you I, obviously too smart. You're too overqualified for everything. So I want to start a, a new segment here on This Is False. I'm here for it. We're going to call it Voice of the People. <laughs> All right? We haven't done this yet because, like, we just haven't seen a Windsor Star reader letter that rises to the level of <laughs> Voice of the People. Voice of the People but has standards. Week, yeah. No standards Voice are of the People terrible. has standards. So, so Voice of the People, uh, we're, when, when, a, when a reader letter of the Windsor Star comes in that we just can't not talk about, um, we will we'll talk about it. So this is, um, who is this? Let's get the name here first. Who is Catherine our Cameron. Okay. Windsor, Ontario, native Catherine Cameron. Ka- hmm. Catherine Cameron, which just sounds like a upper middle class white lady name. Right. I mean, they've got the yeah, alliteration I mean. going in there. Um, it's like if you put yeah. their two names together, you get Karen, Catherine, and Cameron. Yeah. You know, you put it together, you get Karen. Oh my God, that's true. Right? You do actually. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna. She's I, I, I'm on the Windsor Star website, and you can't you can't read the Windsor Star anymore because of all the fucking blinking video ads. So, Gross. by the way, if anyone else has this problem or they're behind a paywall like the Toronto Star, or the Golden Mail, or something like that, and you want to read the article, go to Outline.com, and then just put the link from the article into Outline.com, and it gives you a perfect um, encapsulation of the article with no ads and no pay- no paywalls and no bullshit. Oh. So there's your, uh, there's your little helpful hint. Poddam America taught me that trick. Did you get that trick from Poddam America too? I didn't. I got it because I was trying to do research for a. I was trying, <laughs> trying to do research without having access to the Letty Library here in Windsor. Oh. So I, I had to figure it out. So I googled it and. Uh, oh, you're a genius. Well, I didn't you're know own. that Poddam America also does that. Mm-hmm. But there you go. So this is a short letter from Catherine Cameron. So we're just gonna read it. Right, all right. Uh, I'm ready. The headline is "Approached by homeless man to vehicle was startling." It's a good start. This is a really. I'm feeling yeah. already very encouraged by Catherine I Cameron. Haven't, I, I actually like haven't her. read it yet. I've only read the headline. <laughs> but here we go. Okay. While driving down Willette Avenue to my doctor's office recently, mm-hmm. I had to stop for a red light. A homeless man approached and started banging at my window, asking for money. Needless to say, I was very upset. Very By the time I reached my doctor's office, my blood pressure was very high. No. So sad to see our downtown such a mess. Such a mess, Catherine Cameron. And you know what makes it a mess? It's nimby lib assholes like you and your fucking car. Such, I'm, I feel bad for that homeless man that he had to put up with seeing you in his day. Also, like... Right, it's, it's funny because <sighs> until the last two sentences, this was actually, like potentially going the other direction. A homeless man approached her banging window asking for money. Needless to say, I was very upset. Well, what are you upset by, Catherine? Right? What like, are you upset by? The capitalisms. <laughs> the fact that should be. there are homeless people uh, and that's really fucked up. In, right, in like, are you upset about the homeless person? Uh, presumably, you know, you also... Like, are you upset for them? Like, are you sensor? like, oh my god, that yeah. sucks that we have homeless people in Canada. Or are you upset the world. at them? Because they yeah. dared to exist in front of your face. Her blood pressure. Just... Not my blood pressure. She... Well, well, Catherine Cameron maybe should have stayed so the fuck startling. home. They got their knuckle prints on my Lexus. On <laughs> my Lexus. I saw you tweet about that today and it, I died at that. <laughs> I got their knuckle prints on my Lexus. <laughs> I, just, I just cleaned it this morning. <laughs> I it made me think of... 
Now we're gonna have and to see now, it again because he's got his pore all over it. <laughs> he got his pore. His pore germs. I couldn't even get out of the car until I went through the car wash. I definitely have COVID now. Oh god. COVID. Oh god. Oh Catherine Cameron. It's, this is like a thing. I like I really that, like, enjoy you know, saying her name. Catherine Cameron. Catherine Cameron. Yeah. I, I do I I do really enjoy the like the over-the-top nimbyism that has like it's it's always it exists in every city in every place in north america and probably europe and most other places where middle class people uh it, you know nimbyism is is the is part of the project of gentrification right like it is right. it is necessary for the moving forward of gentrification you need to have upset middle class people in an area so where, they can like kind of uh, outline you know, the the boundaries of that area right. that they want to push the poor out and it starts with the homeless and like the uh, visually, um, yeah, but yeah, man. like the very obviously homeless, yeah, very obviously poor, yeah, um, the extremely poor, if you will. But yeah, the uh, I just like, and you know, this is where it starts. It's like, oh, you know, you, you put a little reader letter in the Windsor Star, you write an email to your counselor, you attend a town hall meeting, hmm. and you know, eventually. You just move more of your middle class friends in and displace more of the poor people to somewhere else in the city, and then you're happy. Until you want to go to that area now. Yeah, yeah, and then when you want, yeah, and then you got to go to that area because now you, mm -hmm. even you can't afford to live where you are, so now you got to go to the next cheapest place. <laughs> like we, uh, we're gonna do uh, a gentrification episode, possibly next week or the next couple of weeks. Oh, please invite um, me. So yeah, no. If you, you want to be on it, we can we can talk. Cause I, I I I mean, who knows how much time I'll have to actually coordinate this? But I would like to talk to some people who I know, who are being evicted right now. I know mm -hmm. I have multiple multiple friends who had the who live living in a house for years in the West End here in Windsor, and uh, you know that their landlord recognizes that the getting's good right now, so mm -hmm. they're going to sell the house. And when they sell the house, they usually require vacant possession. To, se to sell a house so they're selling it and kicking the people out who live there this is they this is exactly what gentrification is it, this is the consequence of it when you have rising housing prices and rising rents it's easy to say well if you just stay where you are like i'm doing you just stay where you are where your rent's cheap because you've been there for years then you'll be fine but no because eventually your landlord will come and will come looking for that mm -hmm. cash cow and they're going to figure out a way to get you out well yeah and like our system obviously um, is um, sympathetic to the side of the landlord and to the side of the people who are looking to cash in. And so, mm -hmm. you know, Not there's... if you listen to landlords. Ugh. They, th they think the system is rigged for tenants, which is, like, hilarious to me. That's, like, <laughs> it's the most amusing thing in the world to me. But you know the, the solution to that? I have the solution to all of gentrification. Yeah. Um, we're all gonna move into Sarah's backyard. <laughs> Sarah's yeah. <laughs> did did, did oh you God, let Catherine Cameron know? If Gladys Shapley was here, she'd be losing her. <laughs> she absolutely goddamn hates this tiny home she So do I, but Katie's blood pressure goes up about ten notches when she starts talking about <laughs> Gladys's blood pressure goes up nine notches. When she's not here, can't, can't keep the two names straight. I feel like Gladys' um, blood pressure is up right now because someone is talking about it. 
Like she knows. She knows that we're talking about the tiny house. I think her blood pressure is generally high (laughs) from from anger. Well, why isn't she writing letters to the Windsor Star like Catherine Cameron did? She has. She has. In fact, if she was here, I'm sure she would be saying right now, well, when I write letters to the Windsor Star, the motherfuckers don't publish them. (laughs) Which is true. I wonder why that is. I've written guest columns, you know, and I got all the letters behind my name that they like, usually. Mm -hmm. So I've written guest columns and had them edited by people who know how to get them in places like this. And I know the managing editor of the Windsor Star. Doesn't matter. They don't get in. But you have all the Google results that they don't like. Yeah, that could be it. Or I think it's probably more the perspective that I'm writing. Yeah, and the content that they don't like. Yeah, like you're allowed to be a lefty, but you're not allowed to be like a... Like a teardown capitalism lefty. You're, you're not allowed to be, allowed like to be a lefty. You're allowed to be Democrat. like, yeah. Like, you're allowed yeah. to be like, I'm not a liberal, I'm a leftist lefty, but like, not a tried and true lefty. No. And you're, yeah, you're, allowed, you're allowed to be about as far left as the NDP goes, and that's about it. That's the, mm. that's the window of acceptability, the Overton window, if you will, um, for most media, but I think the Windsor Star is especially bad for, for that. But um, you know whose voice they really like? Is when you go, well, it's because the voices that they really like are um, all the way on the right. The types of voices that say things like uh, the, the, what is it, the China flu? The Vanderdolen? Our good buddy Vanderdolen? Chris Vanderdolen. Yeah. segue. You're a professional, goddammit. Got you. (laughs) You want to talk talk about um, Uh, about our boy Chris Vanderdolen? Our boy. Our boy. You need so you need some good ago. names for Vanderdolen like you do for um, for uh, Baloney over there. I feel like he's trying to earn it. Reno, Baloney. Oh, you give him lots of really great names. I feel like Birken Birken Brad Birkenstocks. Yeah. Yeah. Birkenstocks. Vanderdolen needs some some good names too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. CBD. Yeah, the. Uh, so if you remember a couple couple weeks ago, we had an, uh, an episode called CBD, uh, You Know Me. If you haven't gone and listened to it, then go listen to it, because you should. What's wrong with you? Um, I haven't listened to all but of the episodes. We talked a lot about Chris Vanderdolen as a counselor, and Chris Vanderdolen as a former writer for the Windsor Star. He's an, a town of Essex counselor, and he tweeted out that uh, some stuff about contracting the Chinese flu. And, and, you know, our take on it was, well, what did you expect? Do you not remember this guy was writing back in the day like what he was writing was way worse than that not to excuse what he said but it was like that's tame for chris van yeah for his general perspective for his brand his brand yeah um yeah and that's why he got elected to councils but i think like that's such a a struggle (laughs) um i mean i think in general but especially locally for some reason i feel like we have a very short memory span uh, for the actions of, especially the actions of our municipal governments and, you know, our, our people in our municipal governments. And so for some reason, we're continually surprised by their actions and by the things that they say, the votes that they cast. Like, we we keep acting like, oh, wow, I expected so much of him, but why? He's given you okay. precedent for, especially in Vanderdolen's case, for years and years and years that, like, you know exactly what to expect from this man. Um, yeah. So. And again, we know, in, like, in Essex County, the people who are voting are definitely Windsor Star readers. You know, mm-hmm. they're probably an older crowd. Um, and, yeah, of course they're going to vote for Chris Vanderdolen. Like, 
that's what they believe as people. <laughs> exactly. I'm not saying that everyone. I'm not saying everyone in Essex County, but enough people to elect a Chris Vanderdolen. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so there was an investigation into his tweets and his general behavior, and an integrity commissioner basically said, uh, "You're gonna. He should apologize." Because this is, it's a way over the line. Yeah, they right? wanted him to remove uh, the tweet, apologize, and take a, um, a diversity course. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> diversity course, because that's <laughs> going to help. Um, <laughs> could you imagine Chris Vanderdoll on a fucking diversity course? I would, I would genuinely pay to join that diversity course with him. <laughs> just, and just watch just his watch face. melt down every fucking day? Yes, just like watch his face get red. And then he will be beside um, Catherine Cameron and um, Gladys <laughs> at the doctors with his high blood pressure. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like... He... I, I forget what I was going to say, but we'll... we'll uh, I just I, this is this is incredible. So he's now doubled down on this, which you know he was already doing. But basically, the, he's the an Essex old white guy. Will, of course, he's doubling down. Yeah, and he he also doesn't know how to be any other way. And I should say, diversity courses are horseshit too. They are absolutely horseshit. They um, where they where they work is for as many for as many things that they do that that work. There's as many things that don't work. They're usually mm-hmm. administered by HR departments, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're usually instituted by bosses, by people who are in an inherent power position that creates a lot of this sort of systemic racism systemic and systemic otherism. Um, it's so they don't the, it's the stress ball well. and, and pizza party that, you know, bosses give to that, that corporate Canada, corporate whatever, gives to mental health. Well, mm-hmm. you know, um, diversity courses are basically just the, the pizza party of discrimination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pay us more give us benefits let us join a union no no, yeah. no. diversity training diversity <laughs> training we're right. doing something so anyway, meaningful so vander dolan predictably so so essex council voted in favor of accepting the integrity commissioner's findings and essentially forcing what it was it that he they were forcing him to apologize or resign yeah so Is he has until july 19th um, to what does he need fucking two months to do this for? Right? Um, but yeah, he has, for some reason, until July 19th um, to... Maybe that's the next time they meet or something. Meet those three criteria. Yeah, I don't see, like, why specifically July 19th. Um, but yeah, so to meet those three criteria, to remove the tweet, apologize, and attend a, a diversity course. I think that potentially okay. two months is so like an attend course. that might be the thing that takes two months. Yeah. Part. However... No, the the result of that is not going to be forcing him to resign. It's going to lead to a 60-day suspension without salary. That's it. That's what he gets if he refuses, mm-hmm. which he's, he is refusing. He's going to continue to refuse. He's doubling down. He's looking for um, confirmation bias in his supporters. Um, and, you yeah, know... Can I, can I read what he... Please what do. He, what, can I, let me just read this article from uh, the Windsor Star because I think it's important to get the words out of the dumbass's mouth. <laughs> so again, this is his former employer, which I assume he's on good terms with, uh, reporting on him, which, you know, Surprise. conflict of interest. Uh, Essex Town Councilor refuses to formally apologize for Chinese flu tweets. Here's the thing, too. Labeling him an Essex Town Councilor? Cool. He's also your former league columnist. Yeah, <laughs> and the fact that it's not, like, mentioned in any way. I don't... 
yeah, I don't think they even mention it in this article. If they do, it's not off the top. So, the town of Essex councillor who downplayed COVID-19 and called it the Chinese flu in tweets claims he's been made the target of cancel culture. It is legal, it is, quote, it is legal to utter the word Chinese flu, and people do so thousands of times per day all over the world, said a defiant Chris Vanderdolen. Yeah, that's why you're not in fucking jail, bud. Sorry. Quote, there was nothing racist or remotely hateful or even vaguely insulting about my tweets. Wait, even vaguely slanderous to suggest that. <laughs> that's my favorite. Okay, that's my favorite line, though. Is like, I'm not insulting he's you, decided. you're insulting me. Yeah, he's decided that it's not racist or hateful. <laughs> or slandering, the one who gets to decide otherwise. Mm-hmm. Not literally everyone else. Mm-hmm. Including, including the, the community that he, it. yeah. Yeah. Um, along with blaming the controversy on protesters and activists, Vanderdolen condemned a ragtag cancel culture army. Right, I forgot. That's my Essex. favorite line. The other one's my second a favorite line. A ragtag cancel culture army from outside Essex. That's always the fucking thing these, these assholes do. It's always some outside force, which mm-hmm. is very racist, by the way. That's, that's literally been used for centuries as a way to discredit people. Those are those other people, you know, the kind... You know the kind, right? Yeah, so you can create the, the us versus people. them narrative. Um, yeah. But the problem it's is, is that... It's drenched in racial bullshit, too. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And somehow it just happens to be that the entirety of the group that you're hurting um, is part of that other group. How convenient for you. How convenient. So uh, this article just gets fucking better and better. They are a social scourge, these people. A cancer on society, he says. Come on, at least get creative with your lines. It's so much worse. Yeah. Oh, God, he's... Vanderdoel made the comments in response to a presentation by the town's integrity commissioner, Robert Swayze, who called for Vanderdolen to delete his Chinese flu tweet, make a formal apology in council session, and attend a diversity and inclusion training session. It's the first time this article mentions that, by the way, which is interesting. It's like six paragraphs in. Mm-hmm. Uh, quote, in this report, I'm not calling Vanderdolen a racist, Swayze told council. He is, he's though. elected official... He is though, but that's he's not what he's that's not what he's calling him. Because here's the thing. If you call someone a racist and you have a position of power, whether you're in the media or elsewhere, you will be sued. Which is why nobody ever does it. It's why you never see the media outright call someone racist because they will get sued. Chris Vanderdol and you're a racist. Yeah, yeah, he can't he can't sue us for that. <laughs> exactly. But uh, <laughs> in this report, I'm not calling Vanderdolen a racist, Swayze told counsel, but he is an elected official and should be a leader in his community. In a tweet on April 9th, Vanderdolen announced that he, has tested, he had tested positive for the Chinese flu and described the quarantining as a punishment worse than the illness. Hmm. Like, again, we don't need He's to so perfectly on brand, tweets, though. They are like, just so stupid. If I, can give, if I can give him credit for one thing, though, he sticks to his brand. Like, he is completely and utterly on brand with everything. Like... From the yeah. from the fact that that tweet first came from him complaining about having to quarantine for having COVID, to his doubling down by calling you know the the leftist activists that are um, canceling him a, a cancer on society, um, he's and not just calling leftists that he's essentially he's it's racist. It is drenched in oh, racist yeah. language. Like, he's not saying the actual words, but he's using not-so-subtly-coded language to say mm-hmm. that. Like he's, yeah, he's not he's just doubling his... down, he's just making it worse. Mm-hmm. And, he, you know, he's using his, his dog whistles to his supporters. And, right. Uh, 
In a follow-up tweet, Vanderdolen erroneously referred to the term COVID-19 as an acronym for Chinese origin virus and described China as a murderous regime. The Chinese origin virus tweet has since been deleted, but Vanderdolen's Chinese flu tweet remains. Uh, in this report, Swayze says said he has he had received at least 80 complaints about Vanderdolen's tweets, more than he has seen concerning any council member in 13 years of working as an integrity commissioner for multiple municipalities. Quote, many of the complaints were from the Asian community, Swayze noted. Quote, anyone who reads a newspaper or watches TV knows of the hate crimes that have been experienced in the U.S. and Canada, Swayze told council. The code of conduct for the... That's a, actually, let's just stop there for a second. The, it's, it's not even coded because mm -hmm. the, the integrity commissioner comes in there and says, hey, you know, many of these complaints were actually from the people you targeted. Exactly, uh, and they're and his acknowledging. Response is, his response is, they were cancer on the earth. And and you know, <laughs> it's not to, hiding the racism. No, no, but he never yeah. he never was. I mean, his intentions aren't to. He has no intentions to like make anyone think that what he said is okay. He his own intentions are to prove that he can get away with saying these things. Right, and if if again, if you read any of his columns for the twenty plus years he wrote them for the Windsor Star, this this is tame. Like we read it on on the last podcast, we read the. Uh, you listened to it, I'm sure. But yeah. We read the episode or the article about panhandling. One of the articles you wrote about panhandling. Oh God, where yes. He, where I was he calls them fleas and like all this other shit. It's like I was disgusting. yelling at my phone um, yeah. during that. That's when I when I messaged you and uh, and Evelyn Irish on the group chat to be to, to yell about things. Um, whenever I message you one thing, you know that I've been yelling at my phone. Slash having debates with the dogs. Yeah, he he tolerates it very well. <laughs> I think he usually just has his headphones in that they're no, noise canceling, so he doesn't have to listen. <laughs> so you're just you're just yelling into nothing. yeah, just yelling into the void. Yelling into a cornfield or whatever the fuck they have in Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I don't I don't um, think it's corn that they grow here, but. The code of conduct for the town of Essex prohibits speaking in a manner which is discriminatory based on a person's race or place of origin. I believe the code was contravened. Swayze pointed out that Chris Vanderdolen had refused to remove the original Chinese flu tweet. That refusal by him is not acceptable to me, Swayze said. Um, but but Vanderdolen claimed he has received words of support from, quote, more than 100 people and counting. Yeah, no shit, man. There's shitty people everywhere. Uh, Vanderdolen accused Swayze of a bias and a lack of professional impartiality. Mr. Swayze right, has though. no authority. Mr. Swayze has no authority over my political views or my use of language. Vanderdolen told counsel. But your political Again, views not... are literally like you are a town councillor. You are in politics. You are a leader and a public representative in politics. So right. yeah, Mr. Swayze does have an authority over your fucking political views and your use of language when you're representing your fucking public. And these aren't even really political views. It's just yeah, racism. This is just outright he's racism. Not arguing, he's not arguing to lower taxes. He's fucking arguing that this virus was originated in China by Chinese people, maybe deliberately, and they should definitely be held accountable for it, which is like right out of the fucking Donald Trump book. It's not mm -hmm. even, like, he's not even changing But don't the they, words. they mention that, you know, in this and, and other articles, that they talk about exactly that, that, you know, we know that this argument, that arguing along the lines of this China flu is originated in Trump and Trump's direct attack on China and on the Asian community that's led to 
stop Asian hate and stop Asian violence and you know these things that we're seeing very active right now um, and for this to happen to come up you know alongside Vanderdol and making these statements and then wanting to insist that that's okay and like not see the the climate around him in any way or yeah. acknowledge the climate around well, like, him in any way the amount of hate crimes that is like that the Asian Asian community in North America has and elsewhere has received it, it it's like exponentially grown since the beginning mm. of this virus because of shit like this right so claiming that his words have you know he, he kind of claims like well it's just my opinion it's like yeah but your opinion could lead to someone getting killed so exactly that's when your opinion starts to, it's not your opinion is not taxes should be lower again that's also an opinion that could probably get somebody killed too but it's a little bit different <laughs> than like actually essentially calling for the uh you know hate being directed toward a certain group of people mm -hmm. um so yeah continues here uh, the short answer is, number one, I would be letting down far too many residents of Ward 3 and the rest of the people of the town of Essex if I submit to this giant giant line anyway. I will not take down my perfectly reasonable tweets, which also happen to be true. I've apologized enough to the right people, and I will not do so yet again. He called the investigation BS. Um, so... Who has he apologized to? What does this have to do with the town of Essex? This is mm. the other question I have. Like his his political responsibility to the town of Essex has nothing to do with his opinion on on COVID. Like, what the fuck is he talking about? I have a responsibility to the residents in Ward Three. Right. What are you talking to, about? To That's what? To, to continue. Put out. Mm-hmm. And like, like, make sure their fucking garbage is picked up and fix their <laughs> roads. That's all they give a shit about. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck. Um. Yeah, so all other attending members of Essex Town Council voted in agreement with Swayze's recommendation. Uh, Vanderdolen has until July 19th to fulfill Swayze's three requirements uh, or face a 60-day suspension of councillor pay. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, Real big consequences. It. He's going to lose. 60 he's days. Retired. This is his second retirement career. He's fine. He's got a big pension from the National Post. He, he's fine. He's He could never work another day in his life and have fucking gads of money yeah and not gads have to worry older. like he's not in this position for the money is in it for the clout and the you know power and the opportunity and the ability to continue to spout his fucking bullshit because he doesn't get to through the Windsor star anymore yeah and What's i don't i don't know without looking it up here which i'm not going to do on the fly but i'm sure it's easy to find i imagine that the essex counselor uh salary is not a high one like it's not very high in Windsor, so I don't imagine it's higher in Essex County. It's probably lower, because uh, it's a definitely a less strenuous job to be a councillor of a small mm -hmm. town like that. So I don't imagine he's making very much money to begin with. So two months of pay, like I don't know. I have no idea what it would be, but it's probably about what I make off the CRB, <laughs> which is not that much money for him at least. So like, really, that's the big punishment. He's obviously going to take that. He's obviously going to just be like, okay, yeah, okay, I'll so my, I... my two-month suspension, and then I'll come mm -hmm. back, and I'll be even worse, because now I know what the consequences are, and they're not that much. <laughs> exactly. And especially, like, when when you consider what he sees as, like, you know, he's, he's trying to die on this hill. He's absolutely trying to die on this hill. And so... Like, I'm not saying egg is car. I'm not... But... I, I want to make it clear. I, I do not condone that. But In I'm Minecraft, though... If you want to egg free, his car in Minecraft, uh, and you want and you really want to throw them, um, 
you know, just maybe aim them at his car. Just don't try to hit him though, because that's not what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not suggesting you should do a violence. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> We're anti-violence on this podcast. <laughs> so, but, uh, that's right. Really rotten. Just find. Just like, happen to stand near his vehicle. I have no idea what he drives. Hmm. I'm it's sure he drives a, some sort of it's not black a SUV. Try to find it and egg it. Tesla, I mean, like. Don't egg uh, it. <laughs> Like, like Drudelkins and his Tesla? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't made fun of that yet, but Drudelkins drives a fucking Definitely Tesla. Too, though. Why? I'm, drives a motherfucking Tesla. I was looking for, um, for the, the salaries, um, but I can only find, like, Tecumseh's, like, 33, um, lowest paid is Amherstburg, which is only, like, 19K a year. Right, so. so it's not very much. You know minimum wage for a full-time job which it's not it's not a full-time especially in Essex at least not at least not in Amherstburg in Essex in Windsor I would argue probably is which is why they got a pretty big pay bump in the last few years Vanderdolen well I mean I think it's a bad thing from the standpoint that I don't think council should exist but it's it's not (laughs) a bad thing from the standpoint of labor equaling value equaling payment um and for um oh Fuck, sorry, I'm having... Can you say words? Words. Okay, cool. Okay, I lost you for a second. I heard, like, a big, like, crack in my <laughs> headphones. And I was like, oh, shit, is it breaking? We're good. We're good. <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't we... Uh, do you have anything else to say about CBD? Oh, good old CBD. Um, I'm just going to sit here and be mad about it. So the thing is, like... So... I guess I guess what I'll what I'll say to wrap it up is like I don't really care what Chris Vanderdolen thinks. And if you live in Essex County, you shouldn't either. It's not that it doesn't have consequences because it definitely does. The problem is with our system, it's not like you can just go and remove him. So yeah. you're stuck with him until the next election unless you want to do some other direct action to make sure he has no say on anything. Um which maybe you'd be able to do, but like but talking is, about is, his, like, rhetoric isn't necessarily what's going to be effective. And, like, you know, I mean, I would even argue that, like, giving him the platform to keep having this conversation in a public way um, mm-hmm. isn't Especially with his connections to the star. Like, yeah. he'll have that platform as long as he wants. Exactly. And so, like, it's not necessarily helpful yeah. um, to just be talking or... or giving our time you know to giving a fuck about what this old white guy has to say like there's a lot of old white guys that have really shitty things to say that have a lot more power in our societies and our communities than he does um yeah and so he's got enough of an ego to talk about it yeah but there's a lot of counselors in similar positions as him that think the way he does Mm -hmm. and so you know at the end of the day it's like well we'll just continue like we know that this exists we know these these things exist and um and aside from any direct action to be taken to limit his opportunities to spout this sort of these sort of things, um, fuck it, fuck it, fuck him. We know we're gonna keep doing what we're doing to dismantle the system that gives people like him an opportunity for power, anyways. Right. Yeah, because the thing is, like, if he never said this, right? Uh, if he if he was smart enough, like I would argue, Drew Dilkins is smart enough that. He doesn't even say the kind of shit he used to say as a counselor. He's like really, you know, he still says stupid shit all the time, but he has really cleaned up 
what he says and how. Yeah, he now says he just says nothing instead. Right now he just says nothing, but like, but the but I think the the thing is that, you know, if Chris Vanderdolen if Chris Vanderdolen had not said any of this and he and he sort of went through his entire counselor career without really saying anything overtly and outwardly and obviously racist or egregious, mm -hmm. he would still be a counselor. Yes, he and so his his impact is still reentrench the kind of systems that we're trying to tear down. Precisely. Yeah, yell at him and tell him he's a fucking idiot, but I don't know what else you can really do about it except vote him out next time. But again, I, I bet you he gets re-voted in. I don't, I don't think he's going to have a problem keeping that seat as long as he wants because I don't have much of a belief in the good people of Essex County <laughs> to vote him out. Well, no, his, and his hundred plus supporters will, you know, are all also old, rich, racist white men like him. Which is probably all he needs to get elected. Like, exactly. Well, especially out in Essex. In the town of Essex, but how many how many votes could you possibly need? I mean, like, what did uh, Juwan Gill get elected with in, in one of the wards here in Windsor? Oh, was yeah. It, like, under a thousand? Yeah. Like, under a thousand, I think? Yeah. Or maybe it was 1900 or something. But it was when there's, like, so many, so many people um, running for that position, and so, like... Mm-hmm. Didn't, didn't take a lot. And that was here. But, it, but in Essex County, these wards are probably pretty small. You know, 100 to 200 votes probably does swing it. Mm-hmm. So unless you're going to change the minds of those 100 to 200 people, which I would argue you're not going to do by calling them racist. Well, and I would argue, like... What have success doing is, is like, going door-to-door -door and, and actually having conversations with people that convince them that whichever candidate you're running is going to be better for the area... But you have uh, to offer a meaningful alternative. Sorry? But you'd have to offer a meaningful alternative. You know, like it all comes right. down to, again, it comes down to action that's either um, working to fight within or dismantle the systems that get uh, Vanderdolen elected in the first place and that give him power and let him re-entrench the systems that let him be in the position to say these sorts of things and, you know, even more so to vote and to, to implement the things that he does with these perspectives in the first place and you know yeah because you're, you're probably not going to win with the but he's racist and i'm not arguing people don't, don't get care. people don't give a shit because they're racist right either they're racist and they don't see it and maybe they're not intentionally racist but may, maybe they just don't care that much maybe yeah. they're like i don't know my garbage still gets picked up so i don't give a fuck well, yeah, but yeah that's part of it too right offer, you have to offer an alternative that actually speaks to the resource needs of people mm -hmm. right and Meet them in Essex where County, at. in Essex County, I'm not like I, I mean it's still probably largely a working class area because everywhere really is kind of, but you know Essex County is pretty affluent, it's pretty uh, pretty high up there in, in average income, and it's definitely higher than almost anywhere in Windsor. So, uh, am I shocked that they would like a guy like Chris Vanderbilt? No, because when you get more fucking money, you turn into a bigger bigger asshole. That's just mm -hmm. a fact of life. Bigger asshole, more conservative. Yeah. Yeah, let's stop yeah. talking about this douchebag. I'm I'm down for that. Let's talk about another douchebag instead. So do you want to do you want to talk about um, by segue we keep it local to Drew Dilkins and uh, a thing he said. Oh, Dilky Poos. Dilky Poos, who Dilky says Poos. nothing, and when he says things, he still says nothing. Yeah, good old Dilky Poos. I mean, so. Dilkins, I mean, Dilkins is arguably not any better than Chris Vanderdolen. He's just... I had, no, and, they're friends. Yeah, oh, that does not surprise they're me at actually, all. They're actually real-life friends. Like, Ew. they fucking 
Oh, they so wait, that's perfect though, because now if you find Dilky Poo's Tesla, and if there happens to be probably, I'm gonna guess, like you said, a black SUV nearby, there's a real good chance it's Vanderdolens. And if you happen to have a couple of eggs in hand, I'm just saying, two birds, one egg. Don't, definitely don't throw them. Don't, don't throw them at those two vehicles. Don't throw them at those two vehicles specifically. Do no, I'm giving you, that. I'm giving you ideas of where not to target. Right, definitely do not poke a hole in them with a pin and then, and then leave them out in the sun for three days and then throw them. And then throw Don't them. do that. That'd do be a do terrible that. idea. Be, you, it's not something, that's not behavior you should be engaging in. Good, good people. we do not promote violence on this podcast. We do not. We want to make it very clear. We are not advocating for that. And if it happens, we will be, we will be very upset. We'll be very disappointed in you, oh dear followers. Um, so what are, you, what are you referring to in this particular, in this particular um, case? Uh, what did Drew Dilkins say slash not say? He didn't say fuck all is the issue. Um, so as we all know, um, and if you don't, then you're living under a rock or you're Chris Vanderdolen. Um, he knows, he just... Oh, okay, true. If you know. don't know, you're pretending to not know. I bet, I bet Chris Vanderdolen is also a fucking Zionist supporter too. Oh, there's no doubt about it. In fact, I guarantee you we could find an article where he talks about it. Mm-hmm. But let's not do that right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so our our friend Drew here, um, so as, as I'm sure most people listening to this podcast, or every single person listening to this podcast, is very familiar with the whole Palestine-Israel um, genocide. And let's be real here. It's a genocide, not a fucking conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be nice to see our local uh, governments and our local leaders have something to say about that. I mean, we've, you know, I think you talked on the, on the previous podcast about how um, our federal um, leaders didn't have anything useful to say. And so I guess we can't expect too much more when we come down to our local government. But I was hoping, I was hoping when I saw that uh, Dilke Kins had said something about it. Um, God damn, I'm what scrolling did he, what did through. What did you say? Do you have the... I'm scrolling through the, the thing. I had it in front of me, and then it refreshed my page. So I'm looking for it right now. Where the fuck is it? Oh, there we go. Yeah. Um, okay. Go. So, but he says, regardless of your view... So he's... Uh, fun. Regardless of your view of the recent conflict... Conflict. Between Israel and Palestine, it's fair to say that all humans need hope. It's my hope that a peaceful resolution can be found that enables everyone to live full and meaningful lives free of terror and war. Motherfucker. Yeah, like, like a, a data. What the fuck are you saying? That's, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's saying nothing. He's, he's saying, saying absolutely nothing. nothing. Um, and so, you know, regardless of your view, so we're both sizing this. We're doing the yeah, yeah. There's that. There's that problem right there, which is the both sidesing of this particular issue is right. in fact a, a Zionist approach. Is inherently a Zionist so, approach. If you're not saying anything and you're Zionist fucking approach. not, then it's you're siding with the oppressor. Cause, mm-hmm. Yeah, because conservatives will just outright say Israel has the right to defend itself. Right. Full stop. Right. Uh, liberals do this mealy mouth two-state solution while uh, supporting or while you know while selling yeah. arms while you know giving political support while making accepting votes or motions money, or whatever accepting money exactly while taking action that that um inherently empowers israel 
and inherently empowers the oppressor. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's the same mealy-mouth bullshit that we're seeing here. So we have, of course, the, the regardless of your view, um, the recent, by the way, also the fact that he says recent conflict. Bro, do you not know, like, this has been going on for, like, literal decades? Like 100 years. Yeah. yeah <laughs> this is not a recent conflict. Um, and if you are only referring to the recent conflict, then it makes your regardless of your view thing even worse. Because... Right. As much as whatever you want to say about, you know, the historical conflict between Israel and Palestine, I mean, it's always been a genocide. It's always been, you right. know, but... It was a genocidal colonialist project. Exactly. It's the same thing as, as what, you know, we did, of what colonialists right. did here in, in America. And I, I was, so I was, I was told a couple of things. I got a couple, I got a little bit of feedback about what I was saying last week about it. And mm -hmm. one, I just got called an anti-Semite. And to that person, go oh, fuck yourself fuck off. to the end of the earth. And the other person was like, you kind of you kind of made it sound like there's a two-state solution in there. And maybe I did and I didn't mean to. So I want to make it okay. clear. really clear. Right now, I'm going to make it clear to clear up whatever ambiguity I was spouting on the, on the podcast last week. No, I do not believe in a two-state solution because Israel was literally established, was literally established to protect American interests in the Middle East. And the Zionist project, that's what it is. That's entirely what it is. They just superimposed a country that didn't exist. Onto I am an existing people. <laughs> and nobody was saying that Jews couldn't go and live there. No, no we're saying you that. can't kill people and fact, tear Jews them out of their fucking home in order to do that. Yeah, Jews did live there already. And if, you know, if a bunch of European Jews trying to escape the, the fallout of World War II wanted to move there, I am sure that it could have happened. But that's not the way it was done. It was done as a we are allowing you to establish your own colonial ethno state in an area where there are already people living and also it should be noted too that palestine is one of the most densely populated areas in the world mm -hmm. uh, gaza specifically which is just essentially an open air prison uh is is like second or third most densely populated area in the world so wow. like and they because they've been shoved into this little corner by the sea you know like it's mm -hmm. literally an open air an open-air prison and now they're they essentially created the refugees israel did they created the refugees shoved them into this little strip of land and then bombed the shit out of it constantly mm -hmm. and prevented them from so being able to whatever whatever ambiguity i had last time uh i think what i was saying if i remember correctly was that like i don't think there are many palestinians calling for like to throw all jews out of the country that's what i said and that's not mm -hmm. a, that's not a two, i wasn't saying two-state solution i was saying that the way that the Israeli state has been established and has been uh, carried out and the Zionist project has been carried out in the last 70 years needs to stop and be re... Uh, and needs to be completely overthrown. Mm -hmm. That's not a... This is not a... Con and I, by the way, I believe the same thing for Canada. Uh, I believe that Canada should also not exist. That's where I stand on that one. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want anybody to accuse me of not having a principle here. I also believe that Canada should not exist as a nation because we were the same thing we were a colonial ethno state we had no and have no right here. yeah and and there's a few more generations of us that live here now so it's a little hard you know tell us to leave and again i'm not saying that like jewish people should have to leave israel but there are like the, the majority of people who live there who are who are jewish like came there from somewhere else mm -hmm. they made the choice to join the zionist project of colonial colonial settlers they they 
the choice to go and and institute violence on Palestinian people. You know, well, and, and that's why, like, you know, we're seeing we're several. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I, I, just let me finish up real yep. quick. But we we're several generations removed from that reality here in Canada, so it's a little bit murkier. I mean, it's all the same. We're just seeing <laughs> like the the results of you know when of the Zionist project being successful and several generations after that. I mean, that's just where where we're at. Yeah, um, yeah um, I mean, they're in they're at the stage where Canada was at in like you know the 1600s, mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially, except with better killing technology. <laughs> Which and look at how well that turned out for um, for our indigenous peoples and what that right. looks like now and that we still have an ongoing genocide of indigenous people but it's a culturally accepted one yeah. we made it really really and palatable the, the same thing is true of Israel-Palestine mm-hmm. you know where it's it's largely been culturally accepted at least in the west um, but I think that what's interesting is that I think that that's changing like I think this particular conflict and the way that it is unfolded as a more uh, visible on social media mm-hmm. conflict than has ever been had before. I think people who previously just went, ah, those two, they never stopped fighting and didn't really figure out what was going on are now on and they're going, oh, fuck, this is actually really fucked up. I think like right. a lot more people who are otherwise generally disinterested have suddenly come to the conclusion that this is really fucked up and needs to change. Uh, and that gives me a lot of hope I think that we're seeing yeah, still oh, woefully sorry. behind on this shit. Unfortunately, um, so you, you uh, every once in a while your audio cuts out for me a tiny bit, so I can't tell if you stop talking or if it just cut out for a second yeah, and then I interrupt you. That too, but sorry. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't you didn't interrupt me, but I was uh, the delay makes it hard to. Oh, good. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think so that like part of why um, why we're seeing people be more willing to learn about the the Palestinian um, genocide. I almost said fucking conflict. Um, yeah, because it just by osmosis gets in our brain. Right, that word it gets in. There. And also, I just reread Drew's uh, non-tweet. Um, Oh, sorry, I'm just, I'm rereading his tweet and it just makes me so mad every time I look at it. Um, because, like, he even uses the, uh, what is it? Is it the Peace Fountain thing or whatever the fuck? The uh, yeah. Peace for All, Hatred for None thing that we have. Uh-huh. A statue. Uh-huh. Um, as his little, his little photo there. And looking for a peaceful resolution that enables everyone to live full and meaningful lives, free of terror and war. But we're not going to call out who's calling, who's causing that terror and war. Um, well, so, so what's the city of Windsor doing then to make sure that happens? Are they joining any BDS movements? Are they, are they um, disinvesting themselves from Israeli interests? Well, that was my question. That- like, I, I emailed Drew to ask exactly that because um, I, you know, I tweeted him back. Um, which I think that you guys responded to. Uh, yeah. That was just like, you know, I could actually say something meaningful. And then I emailed him to ask, to say, like, in what ways, like, are you being reflexive about our role in, you know, about our, our about your role and our role in 
bringing about this peaceful solution that you hope for? Mm -hmm. And are you being reflexive about like how you're preventing that? What are you actively doing to prevent that? And what are you actively doing to cause that or to, to try to bring that about? And how are you supporting your Palestinian, like, we have Palestinians here in, in Windsor-Essex, so what are your messages saying to them? One of the largest Palestinian group, or one of the lar- largest Palestinian populations of any city in Canada. Actually. Yeah, yeah, well, we Windsor... a huge Palestinian population here. Windsor has a huge, because um, we have a very large Palestinian and Syrian um, populations. Those are two of our biggest. Um, but we also have, Windsor as a city is... Um, don't quite quote me on this because this this quote's a little bit a few years old when I worked out the YMCA. Um, but we are one of the most diverse cities in all of Canada, if not the most, and we have the most resources um, yeah, for that's newcomers. That's actually changed. That's actually changed quite a bit in the last ten years. So I think a lot of people still quote that, but it's not actually true. It's anymore. not that true. And also, like you know, our resources are still shit, and you know, we're a racist yeah. ass fucking city. So obviously, yeah. it's all bullshit. But this is how we present ourselves to the world. And so we have a lot of people um, and then also our proximity to the U.S. border. And so we have a lot of people that come into Windsor um, and sometimes, you know, they come into Windsor and they go on to the rest of Canada. Sometimes they come into Windsor and they go on to the U.S. Um, But a lot of the time they come into Windsor and then they end up just staying in Windsor. And um, and so, like, you know, I, I in my email to Drew, I asked him, you know, what are we doing to support your constituents who are Palestinian and are you thinking about like what a tweet like this says to them especially when it's not backed by any kind of action to bring peace to them in any way to them to their families in any way whatsoever you're you're doing and saying nothing but these movements um, one thing that does encourage me is that these movements um, I think that as a, a general culture um, we're getting a lot more comfortable with talking about conflict, with talking about violence, and with with being much more willing to um, stand up and and you know have these fights and have these conversations. Um, and yeah. you know, I think a lot of that was initiated by by Black Lives Matter, and it was continued by Stop Asian mm-hmm. Hate. And now I think we're seeing it more. Um, continuing on with the the genocide, with the Palestinian genocide. And right, I think conversations about race have moved like way further than I ever thought they would in my lifetime. In the yeah, last five years. Yeah, you know, like um, which is which is good. Unfortunately, like everything, it will get co-opted by liberals. Oh, and of course, it, is it already, already is. Been co-opted by liberals, but like, but like, what what's interesting too is that like when you look at Idle No More and other indigenous movements in Canada, when you look at Black Lives Matter, one of the first things they do in every single like thing I've seen is show solidarity with Palestinian people, understanding yes. that what Palestinians are fighting right now and the resistance that they have is, is the same. Is the same. They're, they're fighting the same people. Mm-hmm. Their fight is shared, right? And I think that that's a really important aspect of this. Um, and so last weekend, uh, on Saturday, there was a huge rally here in Windsor. Yeah, I would love to hear more about that rally because um, I've been I've been out yeah. of town. I was so sad that I missed it. Yeah, and there's another one today. Actually, we're recording on uh, what day is it? Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, we're recording on Wednesday, May nineteenth, and there's a there's another one actually in thirty five minutes. Starting, uh, I'm going to try to catch the tail end of it after we're done recording. But um, that's actually why Ev can't be here because Ev's marshalling. Amazing. Um, Fuck yeah. So on Saturday we went down. The IWW helped marshal the event, and um, so we were we were down there and 
doing our thing. We're always put to work at these rallies, which is great. Uh, we have a reputation in the city now of like, oh yeah, the Wobblies will marshal your thing. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about it. And it's like, yeah, we go, we get there and we, we mm -hmm. marshal it. Um, so, but it there was, I heard estimates of three to 400 people. I think it was larger than that because there was also a lot of people driving around in cars. Mm -hmm. I would estimate that that was a lot closer to like eight or 900. But again, I my judging of crowds is bad, but it was big. It wasn't as big as the Black Lives Matter rallies last year, but it was like comparable in size. Like it yeah. got pretty big, um, which never happened 10 years ago. You know, I remember going to like anti-Zionist protests, mm -hmm. you know, 10 years ago. And there'd, and there'd be, be a like, handful of us. So, yeah. Yeah. Like this is different. There's a different thing going on here. And yeah, oh, there's a different a energy now. to them, too. You know, it feels like there's yeah, a really oh, different yeah. energy. Very, very different energy. Like, uh, really angry, but also very positive. Like, mm -hmm. uh, the kind of like way we're here to get shit done. Something like that to go. Uh, but yeah, there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of Palestinians and Syrians and, and other people from the Middle East there. But there was also a lot of other people, right? There was a lot of white people. There was a lot of black folks. There was like a, there was a lot of like Black Lives Matter signs and flags. Awesome. Uh, in amongst the Palestinian flags, it was it was like a really great show of solidarity. You know, all these different sorts of groups I think that have been coalescing over the last year mm -hmm. um, so it was really good to see unfortunately oh, no. our fucking media barely touched it <laughs> yeah the CBC basically said yeah we're not going to go down there because we don't really have anybody working on Saturdays in Windsor which I understand is a problem of resources that they actually do have but still send someone but what the send fuck someone down from London what yeah I found like um, maybe one or two videos that popped up online that that you know s some news source posted or reposted, um, and yeah, like one. The did not have a presence article. there that I saw. I don't think they even. They might have had an article about it, like on Post, Monday. Yeah. They didn't have an article about it at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, express, it's, uh, it's really bad. Like the, we're seeing that like globally is like you know i we're seeing a lot of that where it's social media coverage of um these massive massive protests and massive movements and palestinian support across the globe that are happening um and no one's reporting on it you know or, or no one significantly reporting on it um no one's giving it the voice that it has like it's it's the people who are gathering that are getting the word out and that are sharing these conversations and that are sharing the um, footage from from these things um, right. uh, and I want to I shout out I don't know if she listens to the podcast or not but I want to shout out uh, Farah Al-Hajj who ran mm. in the by-election last year in ward whatever ward that was I already forget um, and she is a fucking force of nature yeah. she's Palestinian she was out at this rally. She was one of the leaders of it. She was, she was like, during the speeches portion at City Hall, she was, like, she was getting people going, man. Like, she's awesome. I love Farah. I think she is a fantastic uh, orator and mm -hmm. someone who, like, really cares passionately, not just about this issue, but a lot of other issues. So I just wanted to shout out Farah because uh, she's kicking ass um, and doing more than the media in mm -hmm. terms of getting the word out about this stuff. Um, also, like, I'm just looking through Rose City Politics there, uh, there, cause, cause, you know, I'm, if you're gonna have a, a politics show in, in the Rose City, you should probably talk about this. You I should probably think. talk about this. And I don't think they do. Yeah, I was I looking uh, for that. I was looking through their, um, episodes I, I, on I their Twitter. To, I, don't, I don't refuse to listen to it, but often I get five minutes in and get annoyed and turn it off. 
But um, I don't see anything in any of their show descriptions that's talking about Palestine. Yeah. At all. Yeah, I didn't see a damn thing. I want to know why that is. Because, like, they brand themselves as, like, alternative media. You aren't going to hear this on the news. It's in-depth. And, okay, cool. We're Show me. talking about microchips and, and selling the barn and, and development and they like to budgets. cover every minute of you know a town council meeting, but then can't. But where uh, are you on this shit? Yeah. Where are you on this shit? A little too white, Rose City politics. I would argue. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, like and and there's just not much coverage here. Now, there is coverage around the world and, and around Canada, but I just wanted to bring up this article actually from Al Jazeera, um, mm-hmm. which is a pretty good source for this stuff, by the way. If you look, I mean, it's still ultimately pretty liberally a lot of the time, but Al Jazeera does a much better job of being comprehensive on this kind of shit, especially when it comes to Israel-Palestine, than, um, than any other mainstream source that I've seen. Um, so <laughs> this is a, this is Andrew Mitrovica, who's a Toronto-based writer who I've, I've heard of, and I definitely have read his shit before, but don't remember exactly um, what he has written in the past. But he wrote this article, For CBC, a dog story is more important than Israel's apartheid. There is no good reason why Canada's public broadcaster did not cover the HRW-Israeli apartheid report. Um, so this came out on May 15th, so a few days ago. For much mm-hmm. of Canada's media, the death of an old dog is more newsworthy than the suffering and deaths of imprisoned Palestinians. That is, in particular, the disgraceful, inescapable indictment of journalists who populate Canada's national network, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. If the CBC and you doubt this, remember these facts. On April 27th, Human Rights Watch, the cautious darling of the Western press, published a 213-page report belatedly finding that Israel has, almost since its engineering engineered its inception, ruthlessly and systematically systematically persecuted Palestinians. <clears throat> the ruthless systematic persecution of Palestinians is not kept is has not kept is not to keep Israelis safe. Rather, Israel's sinister aim is to impose ethnic supremacy in occupied Palestine and to crush Palestinians into ghettos with grinding inhumane efficiency. Um, basically it just goes on saying that like this HRW, so Human Rights Watch, like he says, is a pretty centristy, liberal, not all that, uh, doesn't have mm-hmm. a lot of teeth. And the Western media tends to really like them because of that, right? Mm-hmm. They, they'll talk about different human rights abuses, but they don't really get too don't get into, into it. the actual conflict. Yeah, you know? they don't want to get dirty. They don't want to get their hands dirty in it. Right. And in this case, they basically said, like, Israel is doing this. The, mm-hmm. So if, if Human Rights Watch has come to that conclusion... Uh, it's there's no longer a debate there's no longer a well is it really no it is absolutely mm-hmm. thing it's an apartheid state then you know that means it's actually a genocide <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> like, they, they're not, if they're saying they're one go thing then enough. go 10 steps to the left you know yeah, and exactly. that's what it actually is that's the like, truth. keep on going it's much worse than they're letting on mm-hmm. <laughs> um and their report was pretty damning like i read i read aspects of it it was like mm-hmm. wow they're not really holding back a lot they may not use the word genocide, but they... But they, they really do get into it. Yeah. And, and again, the CBC just did not cover it. They didn't cover it. They, and to the extent that they covered this, this latest um, conflict, mm-hmm. sorry, this latest round of genocide, mm-hmm. um, they didn't invite a Palestinian-Canadian on any of its news or current affairs programs to discuss the report. The fuck? Uh, whereas they did, they did bring on 
uh, pro-Israeli voices. You're joking. Um, no, yeah, they didn't even bring on a single Palestinian Canadian to like talk about it. Because that's that's impartial media. Yeah, uh, the CBC journalists who routinely extol the virtues of the Fourth Estate and the broadcaster they work for as an indispensable means to hold powerful public and private individuals and institutions to account retreat like timorous politicians into silence. The fraternity mm. tries to hold them to account. Uh, so, like, the CBC's coverage of this has been actually worse than the private sector media coverage. I have actually seen way more coverage in the Toronto Star mm-hmm. and even in the Globe and the Post. Even though the Globe and the Post, they'll post three articles talking about why Israel has a right to defend itself to every one that talks about Palestinian genocide. But at least, like, um, when they do talk about Palestinian genocide, they do say something occasionally. Yeah, they say something. It tends they, they will let more critical voices into their pages even if they are the extreme minority. Mm-hmm. Whereas the CBC just straight up doesn't include those voices at all. It's really fucked up. That's our public broadcast too. So they're yeah. way more accountable to us than the other ones. And yet they remain entirely hands off. And the um, Vika makes the point here uh this is as absurd as it is shameful, and it cannot stand for several irrefutable reasons that gagged myopic CBC journalists and their excuse-mongering Confederates need to understand finally. The CBC is owned by Palestinian Canadians, too. They can mm-hmm. no longer be treated not only as invisible, but as the other on Canada's public airwaves. Which mm-hmm. is a really good fucking point. Like, someone commented on one of Ev's posts somewhere that, you know, maybe we should try caring about a Southern Ontario issue. It's like there are millions of Palestinian Canadians. How is this not a Southern Ontario issue? So it is absolutely a Southern Ontario issue. And not only that, but our tax money goes to funding Israeli apartheid. Mm -hmm. So it absolutely is a Southern Ontario issue. You can't get around that fact. Mm. But, you know, it doesn't affect white Southern Ontarians. And therefore... That's the coded part of that language, yeah. Exactly. When, when people say that, oh, we want to focus on southern and on local issues, what they mean is white happening. issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What they mean is me issues. Yeah. Um, well, sorry. Well, do, you have, do you have anything else to say on, on, on all of this? Well, so, you know, instead of, instead of ending this conversation on a, on a sad note, um, I would love to talk a little bit about the you know palestinians staging a historic general site a strike yes and talking about yes like can we talk about that for a moment and how Mm -hmm. cool that is um you know not only like how incredible it is that they're doing that and what a brave and strong move that is that they're doing that um but also how cool it is to see uh a general strike and the words general strike you know, as mm-hmm. used as an effective tool. Um, and if it's, you know, from, if the, this r- is, from the river to the sea, that yeah. was the uh, general, general strike from the river to the sea. Yeah. So yeah. General strike from the river to the sea. Like let's, let's talk about that a moment. Um, Cause that's exciting and cool as fuck. And I think that's such a, a brave, but also like impactful and effective move. Um and also it gives me hope because like, you know, you and I talk about in our you know personal conversations all the time about how general strike, like that's what needs to happen. That is a tool for change. That is, if not the, then one of the top tools for change that we need to be using. Um, mm-hmm. And historically they've worked very well yeah. to get to actually create change. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so let's, let's talk about that a little bit. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with you that the, the specific language of general strike has, is really important there because they're not saying, hey, let's all walk off the job or like, you know, where they sort of dance around the term because the term general strike has a lot of history. It's carrying a mm-hmm. lot of weight there, right? Mm-hmm. When you look at historical um, general strikes around the world, the most notable one in Canada was in 1919 in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Um, would they, you know, I mean, people I think know generally what they mean, but uh, the general strike means literally everyone walks off the job refuses to participate in the the machinery of society doesn't matter what kind of a worker you are doesn't matter if you're palestinian doesn't matter if you're muslim doesn't matter if you're jewish or christian it doesn't mm-hmm. matter you walk off the job in solidarity with solidarity across the board right and so the fact that they use the term general strike is really important because i think they're saying like that is a very specific tactic mm-hmm. exactly um, the other thing too that i've been seeing a lot in response to this and just in general uh, latest round of bullshit from Israel hmm. is like over the past 10 or 15 years, there hasn't been as much Israeli violence toward Palestinians. It's still been there, constant thing, but it hasn't been quite as like, you know, <laughs> in your face, obviously what they're doing, you know, that kind of thing. It's been sort of settled down a little bit over the last few years. And what I was reading was that a lot of Palestinians, because of that, have sort of lost their solidarity with one another and we're starting Mm. to like you know uh not turn on each other but sort of like you know fracture in different ways along different lines within palestine and that what this has done and this is not to say that it's a positive thing that it's happened but what it has become united force again right it's it's sowing the seeds of that resistance yeah making like all palestinians have a common cause again right and i think that 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 notion is something that not only can we fucking learn from, but is something that, like, to me, ensures their victory. Like, it, yeah. it ensures that eventually, it may take decades. It will take that decades. It's not changing anytime soon. But uh, that, that seed of resistance mm-hmm. that we're seeing, and we've seen it it's here in Canada with solidarity. folks as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's, that's the thing that's going to lead to this shit actually changing. It's the only thing. Well, and that's like that's why I think seeing the words "general strike" um, it made me so excited um, because you know it is that that uniting across you know from like they say from the river to the sea um, mm-hmm. uniting across the board and sowing a seed of of real resistance and creating a, I mean you know not that that movement like that movement's already existed um, but to give it give it a, a name like that to give that action um a name like that i think is so powerful and is so i think gives a lot of clarity as to you know what it is that that people can be doing um mm-hmm. what palestinians can be doing to be a part of that resistance and to you know support themselves and their their fellow palestinians um mm-hmm. And to see that it's such a historic event, like they say in the, the article, it's the first time since 1936. So, um, yeah. you know, before the founding of the state of Israel, for the first time ever, we are striking in all over Palestine. Yeah. Um, yeah and no surprise uh, in that it was started by the youth, you know, that we're seeing the young people rise up right. and seeing the young people use these very um, leftist, you know, actions and that they know yeah. how to organize it's also like 
like Palestine is one of the youngest countries in the world in terms of average age. It's like 17 or something. Wow. Like, it's crazy how, like, because, you know, killed by the Israelis or they starve to death. You know, yeah. Like, like, or, they, or they, you know, get sick because the healthcare infrastructure and, and, you know, food and water infrastructure is so shit. Deliberately made that way, by the way, by, by Israel. Does that sound mm. familiar? Hmm. Weird. That might, that Wait, sounds sort of that? familiar. Not having uh, access to <laughs> clean drinking yeah, water. Yeah, weird. Weird how weird how colonial states use the same tactics to uh, achieve their goals. Um, but yeah, like I like that's the thing is that like I remember reading that very recently that like, the average age of Palestine is like seventeen point seven or something. Like this is a nation of like like it it's not an exaggeration, uh, mm-hmm. you know. And and I think that that again. I think like, I, don't, I don't want to say it's a positive because it does mean that they have gone through the worst kinds of things you can go through. But the fact that it is such a young population that basically that's also, by the way, the perfect age group and capable of fighting back against this shit. Right. Because mm-hmm. when you're in your 40s, 50s and 60s and 70s, you're too fucking old to fight this shit on a physical level. Right. Well, yeah. Um, and, you know, you know, like even even me at 36, like. I'm a- I've aged out of the of the revolution. You know what I mean. <laughs> you can never <laughs> age out of the revolution, <laughs> but yes, we do absolutely. You know, we need those young people who, um, who haven't aged both. You know, your, your physical age, your, um, you know, your response, like what you have to lose when you're 17. You just don't have a whole lot to lose, um, and so it's a Especially lot easier if you're to be in Palestine. Mean, like, yeah, exactly. What what else yeah. do you have? Um, and there's there, there was like all this there was this article talking about how like youth in Palestine don't have a will to live and like that's it's fucking terrible. Oh gosh, and, yeah. But when you push people to that point, they tend to start fucking fighting back in real ways, and you're seeing that now, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. In spite in spite of, like against the backdrop of this awful shit that's happening, right? Mm-hmm. There's that like little bit of a lining of like. These people are not going to go quietly into the night. They are going to fight for their shit. Well, yeah, and it's like you know, it's all of the the um, factors that brought together this perfect storm for this fight and for you know something like powerful like this general strike. Um, it's all it's all terrible things. Like having such a low average age. Um, you know, is is a result of violence and poor health and, you know, systemic abuse as well as, you know, direct violence. Having, um, not having very much to lose and therefore being willing to be sort of, you know, radicalized in that way and being willing to fight is a result of, you know, the awful situation that they're in. Um, and, and being full of anger and being full of, of a need for fighting. But also, they now have this perfect storm, you know, the, to really fight back. And um, I think that, you know, I've seen a few of, like, uh, young Palestinian, like, social influencers and stuff that are kind of talking about this and that um, either are in Palestine or have connections to Palestine, um, you know, through family and things that are talking about how they are, you know, the the young people are starting to feel sort of empowered. And it was, you know, they've spent so long being so disempowered. um, And now they're starting to feel like, you know, we're going to take this in our hands. And, you know, we're going to go out anyways. Like, if we let things continue to be as they are, well, they're going to kick us out of our our houses and murder us anyways. 
so mm -hmm. we might as well you can fight get run, for it. You can get run over by the tank. Yeah. You can fucking take out the tank with you. Exactly. Like so this. we're at least going to take out the tank with us. You know, if, if we're going, some of you are going too. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to bring up too, because I mentioned Uncle Joe earlier in the podcast. Oh, yeah. There's this sort of like burgeoning hope around Joe Biden as presidency. Why? Uh, for reading this new progressivism. Yeah, it's fucking horseshit, obviously. But like, but uh, the, the important thing is like he he ha he has had a more quote unquote pro progressive agenda than any president in American history, and I do think that that is owed entirely to on the ground activism that is absolutely like, to the that he can be pushed to the left. Because Uncle Joe, happen, Uncle Joe is a populist movement. You know, he's a he's gonna listen to whatever voices are gonna get him voted. Um, and well, so he, his brain is made of t uh, tapioca pudding. Well, yeah, okay. He's so not he's really, not going like, to listen point, to anything. Yeah, like, he's not. He's, Tapioca he too, your, gross. Uh, like, he's, he's, there's not a lot of thoughts rattling around in his head. Uh, and Just one marble up example, there. example I think uh, I've ever seen of the president doesn't actually run the show. They're just the figurehead. Yeah. Because uh, he doesn't know how to fucking string together a sentence. But um, but I want to note that for for whatever bullshit half quasi liberally progressive things that he has done, which haven't been many and haven't been nearly far enough, um, he is staunchly still in the Israel has a right to defend itself. Um, yeah. And and he he came out and said that now Rashida Tlaib, who's a, a congresswoman from Michigan, actually she's right across the border in the area, like as as you go over Ambassador Bridge, that's the area, uh, the district that Rashida Tlaib is is representing, mm -hmm. and she's the only Palestinian American in Congress, and so she has been extremely vocal on this shit, and has been there was a photo of her actually, like going to Joe Biden on the tarmac as he got off of Air Force One to, like, challenge him on his shit with Israel. Um, and I, I don't know whether that's going to actually do anything. Probably not. But it's good to see someone in Congress actually vocalizing these things. Because even AOC has been kind of... She said some of the right things, but she always hedges, right? Like it's Yeah, that's her new thing. That she constantly does. Mm -hmm. But Rashida Tlaib has not been really pulling many punches on that stuff. Um... But the other thing I wanted to bring up really quickly, and, and I'll put in a, a clip of it here. But did did you see the, the the video of Joe Biden from like the eighties, where where he was talking about Israel? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I didn't watch all of it, but yeah. So I'll put in a clip so here. But basically, up. the gist of it is that he. So at that time in the nineteen eighties, there was a little bit of a flare up of this kind of thing as well, and it mm -hmm. and um, he was a senator at the time. And one of the chief architects of American foreign policy, by the way. Uh, so <laughs> the, the disaster of American foreign policy's foundation was partially built by this guy, just so y'all know. Yeah. He's not yeah. our savior. But, like, he might be the single most responsible person not named Dick Cheney. <laughs> like, literally, he, he is. Like, we talked about the Biden plan on this, pro on this, on this podcast as well mm -hmm. um, in Honduras. But... Uh, so he, he, I guess he's getting challenged by someone who's saying, like, are you going to speak up for Palestinian rights or something like that? And he basically mm -hmm. says, I will never apologize for the existence of Israel. And he, like, goes in the they start yelling like old Uncle Joe. Mm -hmm. uh, and, he, and he's like, if there wasn't an Israel, we would the United States would invent an Israel to, to protect nah. its interests in the Middle East. And, like, just mask That's off just, just what this is. 
right? And ironic and uh, I mean, that is what the United States did, by the way. They invented an Israel to protect their interests yeah. in the Middle East. That's, that's, that's what exactly what happened. <laughs> the irony. Uh, so it's, it's just one of those mask-off moments that I find quite poetic and beautiful because it's like they don't even try to hide it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there to see. Mm-hmm. Well, like, I was listening to uh, to NPR this morning, um, you know, because I got to get my good oh, good so dose sorry. of liberal media. I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, and so they were they were talking about a little bit and about the U.S. government's stance and, and Uncle Joe's stance on the Israel-Palestine thing. And um, so now because they're getting so much pushback of, you know, obviously why are you not supporting Palestine? Um, you're literally supporting genocide. What the fuck? Um, so now they're trying to play the, well, you know, speaking publicly, basically speaking publicly is in our, in our best interest. Um, but what they say it as is that uh, the way to solve these conflicts has historically never been about speaking publicly. But the problem, you know, in that is that, okay, but so for one, yeah, yeah, kind of like you're, your public leader, um, what you say publicly does have a huge impact and you have said things publicly that are pro-Israel and pro-Zionism. Um, so, but when it goes the other way, suddenly like that's not, a, not, uh, the most effective action. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. the other right. thing, when it comes to, de- when it comes to defending Israel's, uh, interests, they don't shut the fuck up. About exactly. It, right? But when it comes to defending <laughs> Palestine, then, you know, oh, well, you know, we're not, we're going to hold our cards to our chest kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. the other thing is that, well, then what action have we seen on the back end? What's changing behind the closed doors? Cause I haven't seen any significant, um, action change. I haven't seen any significant change in foreign policy, I haven't seen any significant change in our budget, in our interactions with, or you know, America's interactions in U.S. U.S.'s interactions with Israel. Ew! Oh no! I just realized I'm starting to like, I'm spending too much time in Indiana. I'm starting to use a we thing. No, I am not God, American. Back here <laughs> oh God, dear God, help me. Um, I mean, not that like. I am not nationalist towards Canada by any means. We you are just as bad. But with no salt and pepper suit if you don't if you're not careful. Ugh, that's totally how Kelly eats his fucking mashed potatoes. <laughs> Such a goddamn American. <laughs> Such an Indiana American. Yeah, such an Indiana American. Uh, I hope he doesn't listen to this. Indiana. Indiana. They're actually they're called Hoosiers, I think. Who's yeah, I think it's Hoosiers. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. Weird. Sure. Yeah. I guess. I don't know where that came from, actually. I keep meaning to find out. Yeah, but. some of okay. the university, the oh. University of Indiana, their name is Hoosiers. I don't know how it came, where it came from. Dumb. It's kind of like how thing. we use, like, YQG. Like, Windsor-Essex likes to use that hashtag YQG, um, which is, like, our airport I th- code. I think, there is, I think there is more, like, historical. There's something more historical there, but I don't know what it is. It's the same thing, like, in, in uh, I think it's Oklahoma, where they're the Sooners. Oh, uh, um, yeah. Like, there's, there's all some... kinds of names like that. Yeah, anyway, we got uh, off topic there. But. Right. I mean, who gives the fuck what Indiana calls themselves there? Indiana. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Can we add this to our list? Like, LaSalle, um, what is, is it Montreal that you don't like on this podcast? No, no. No, Montreal, we like. Quebec, we don't say. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I was going to say, it's fuck like Quebec, Quebec except, except Montreal. Montreal. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. For a minute, you know, as soon as I said that, I was like, that feels wrong, because Montreal is Yeah, no. Fuck all great. of Quebec except Montreal. Except that's Montreal. the only part of it that's cool. Okay. It's the only part. So, Fight me on it, I don't care. 
So we're going to add, Milton. and Milton. And no one likes Milton. Mm. Or LaSalle, mm. except, who is it? LaSalle, except, is it? Kit. Yeah, Kit. Kit. Yeah, okay. Yeah. A few right. others, too, but they don't need to be named. They, <laughs> they know who. <laughs> Sorry, I threw, I threw you off with the mashed potato comment, but you were you were essentially saying like we haven't seen any change, right? At yeah. All. Like it doesn't matter whether it's Biden or Trump or Obama or Bush or Clinton or other Bush or exactly Reagan like or, it's throughout the, same the entirety politics. of this quote unquote fucking conflict, throughout the entirety of this genocide, we have not seen any pro Palestinian movement. Um, no. And because it's not in their interest. Yeah, and and we, I also keep seeing. Uh, whether it's tweets or you know other posts, where um, where our government officials are, and you know people who are who were calling on to give a public message to say you know they're pro-Palestine and to act like it, um, that they're saying things like oh the the stuff is changing so quickly things are changing so quickly. Yeah. Um, they support it. They support a two-state solution. That's the that's. That's the thing. Like I saw Eric Kazmerica, oh, yeah. one of the representatives locally here of the Liberal Party. Uh, that's what he said. That's what Justin Trudeau said. Um, you know, and to link it to Canada, it should be noted that like we're in lockstep with American foreign policy around the world. Like, mm-hmm. like historically, Canada has actually been more pro-Palestine than the United States. Like if we go, we go back to the, the '60s, '50s, and '60s. Um, like I know Lester B. Pearson, for instance, was mm-hmm. who, uh, himself was a liberal. Um, was one of the more staunchly pro-Palestinian politicians we've ever had in this country. I'm willing to uh, and of say. course, that's a low bar, but <laughs> like he was, um, and that changed uh, come the '70s and '80s, and we're now in complete lockstep with American foreign policy, mm-hmm. uh, at least on that issue. So, and every other issue for that matter, and America and the Americans, whether it's Republicans or Democrats, are also in lockstep. They have the same foreign policy. There's no difference. Um, we just are. Um, we we just have a sense of elitism over America about it because we don't have as much money to throw at it. Yeah, yeah, that's really it. We still throw a fuck ton oh, yeah. of money as much as we can. We just hand it right over to Israel. Um, but and not only that, but like a lot of like the Canadian ruling class, ruling class, and the American ruling class. And this is where like this is where um, it, like. If you take this without understanding the history of Israel-Palestine, this will sound anti-Semitic. But it's not, because you have to take into account the history of Israel and Palestine. Um, but the American and Canadian and European ruling class, um, mm-hmm. they are pro-Israel for obvious reasons. They need a geopolitical ally in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And they know that historically, Muslims have not been a very good ally to them. They've been resistant as all hell to Western imperialism. For a good right? fucking reason. For a good reason. And and so rather than try to win over states on an individual basis, like they do, they also do that, by the way. They have puppet governments in Israel and Jordan and mm-hmm. Egypt. Uh, and they have, you know, obviously the Saudis. Um, but in order to ensure that, they had to, like, put an ethnicity that they are more willing to work with in that area. Right. Mm-hmm. And that like this is what comes down to the like where, you know, people who are anti-Zionist get accused of anti-Semitism. But actually, it's the opposite, because one of the founding reasons that Israel exists is because Europeans in the United States didn't know where to fucking put all these people. So they just said, well, here, go here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're, we're not going to. Exactly. We don't want to deal with you. We don't want to deal with you. So we're going to send you over here. 
go here and you can be we'll give you a bunch of money and we'll we'll allow you to set up your own little ethno state and then you'll you'll be our like safeguard of interest in the reason in the region and in order to do that you're going to have to wipe out all these people who are here right now because otherwise it's not going to work uh mm-hmm. and like that's literally what happens that to me is the more anti-semitic thing than and we're also going to um, instill in you the sense of entitlement um, that we have. Right. Well, and, and I had someone relay this to me, too, and, you know, shit on me, if not you specifically, but anyone who I wants mean, to that's challenge me on this or whatever. Yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> uh, but, but, like, oh, shit, now I forgot what I was going to say. Sorry. Um, fuck. Do you mean to get you excited? to edit this part now put a little... um shit what the fuck is i gonna say i'm uh, so sorry oh fuck it's gone no it's, it's gone, gone forever, forever. Yeah, no it's gone forever. done fucked it's up there anymore what the fuck were we even talking about um so europe and and america is basically creating israel for their own self-interest and I just commented on... Mm, that's right, okay, I got it. Okay. I got it. It's back. So, to bring it down on an individual level, and again, feel free to shit on me if this is a bad take, but I had this explained to me the other day. Um, If you think of Israel-Palestine, if you think of Israelis as a child who was abused, right, Uh, and now they're grown up, and they have their own power in the world, as adults do, right, Uh, that can obviously go badly, right? Like, (laughs) most people who are abusive have themselves been abused Mm -hmm. in a position where they did not have power, Mm -hmm. right? So it is, this is, it sort of gets into that mindset of collective trauma, right? And and sort of de-individualizing trauma, Uh, which obviously you can do for Palestinians, but you should also be doing it for Israelis because Mm -hmm. we're talking about a people who historically have been oppressed and abused and genocided and like everything else, right? Uh, and that history goes back thousands and thousands of years, way before World War II. Um, uh, and now they've been empowered with their own state, an ethno state that's built around their religion, which they see as oppressed. And they ha- and, and as a collective, they have not really been given the tools to deal with the trauma that they've suffered. Mm-hmm. So now, so now they're, they're projecting that trauma, that trauma on another people. Another people. But, Which is exactly what, 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 you know, some people who are abused as children grow up and do. If they don't have the right tools to, to like, overcome. fix their issues, they can mm-hmm. sometimes release that abuse onto other people. But, you know, one of the, I think that's one of the challenges is that, you know, I, I mean, first of all, is acknowledging that in the first place, is acknowledging that, you know, Israel as a people are uh, people who have also experienced collective trauma. Um but also in that we can acknowledge that collective trauma, traumatic experience and that need for, you know, some level of, uh, of healing and, and of retribution and that, like, you know, there, there are people who have been done wrong by. And so, you know, how do we fulfill that need for them as a people uh, while also holding mm-hmm. them accountable that they don't get to turn around and project that trauma onto another people? I mean, we don't look at... Uh, a parent who has grown up you know and was abused as a child and when they grow up and they become an adult well we don't allow them to then turn around and abuse other people to abuse their their family or abuse their children and say oh well it's okay there are people who are hurt like 
they still need to be held accountable. And so, and we need to be held accountable in our role in that, in our role of creating Israel as a, as a traumatized people and in our role of empowering them to then turn around and project that onto Palestine. And so, right. and, surprise, and surprise. Like, like Western society failed uh, Jewish, Jewish people after You mean Western society because, like, what, just keeps failing and failing people all over the right. world? Interesting. But they, they, they failed Jewish people after World War II because what Jewish people needed were the resources to survive and the security to survive, right? They needed to be able to live safely in their society, mm -hmm. right? But what we did instead, and I'm saying we as the royal we, obviously, because mm -hmm. I don't have anything to do with it. Uh, but like, what we did instead was say, no, we can't guarantee any of that for you here. But what we will do is give you your own house. You can go over there and get the fuck away from us because we don't really like it either. We're not necessarily going to send you to gas chambers, but like we don't really like you around. <laughs> so how about you go here instead? We'll give you all kinds of money and a huge military to protect your interests, and then you can be secure on your own over there. You just, just stay do away your from thing. Us, yeah, which is essentially what happened, right? <laughs> like, like it, it'd be like saying, you know, well, yeah, okay, this 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 abused child has grown up into a very strong adult. And we're just gonna we're gonna force this woman to live with him, mm -hmm. <laughs> even even though he's demonstrated a pattern of abuse. We're gonna force this woman to live with him, and uh, this analogy is being uh, falling apart a little bit. But you know what I mean? Like, like I think acknowledging that collective trauma of Jewish people is a really important aspect to what's happening. And again, it's not being said to excuse any behavior by the state of Israel or by Zionists, because that's like you said, we're we're not doing that for abused folks either. Mm -hmm. uh, nor should we but I think it's important to recognize that that that's the history right there is a collective trauma that's, mm -hmm. a, that's existing and that collective trauma is ultimately imperialism right <laughs> and in capitalism and I think that's, that's such a uh, unfortunate like disgusting thing that I think that you know the western culture is doing um you know or that the the west is is doing is that not only are we refusing to take on our responsibility and the the trauma that has been caused to jewish people um but also then refusing to take on the responsibility of how that affects palestinians because we're somehow even though you know it's it was us that created israel we're also not willing to take responsibility for either. And so we get to just kind of take our hands off and say, oh, it's not the West's fault, you know, it's Israel, or it's not the West's fault, it's Palestine. Um, and then we don't we have to... Role, basically. Yeah, exactly. And then we don't have to do anything either way. We don't have any responsibility um, and we don't have to make any changes or contribute any resources either way. Right. We can advocate for ceasefire without actually doing anything to, you know, change the situation. Yeah. Or create the environment that is needed for a fucking ceasefire. Yeah. And, you know... Even though we have the tools to, to do so. To my mind, and this isn't like my own thought, obviously, this is me reading a lot of other voices on this issue, but the only reasonable solution to any of this is the abolishment of the state of Israel. <laughs> you know, like, mm -hmm. not not the killing of the people of Israel. I want to make that very clear. I'm not saying that Jewish people do not have a right to live in that area. That's not what I'm saying. No, I'm it's saying just... the state of Israel needs to be abolished. Mm -hmm. Just like the state of Canada needs to be abolished if there's ever going to be true reconciliation with indigenous people. 
It's not possible unless you deconstruct the colonial weapons that are being used to this day. But uh, it's the very, um, it's the very countries and the very people that have the tools to, um, to do that, that and to create that reconciliation um, and to make that transfer of power that have all the interests in doing exactly the opposite. Let's uh let's wrap up there because we've got cool. enough here. But cool. uh, Emma Star, thank you for coming on. You'll be on again, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I'm gonna come hang out. You might also become our producer. That might be a thing that happens. I'd be a great producer because I'll leave in all the swear words and take pretty much well, everything. Obviously, you think I cut swear words? <laughs> Fuck that shit. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Um, and also, any time that Ev sings. <laughs> yeah, we need to have. Same to Josh a few episodes ago. We should have Ev sing a theme song so we have an actual theme song. Oh my god, like, yes. Instead of that like public domain thing I put at the beginning, which is fine, but it's uh, it's not really made for us, you mm-hmm. know. Speaking of listening to but, uh, this is false host sing, um, I've been listening to your albums on Spotify lately. In my go-to playlist. Oh, why would you subject yourself to that? Don't tell people that those exist. Travis. I, you better not cut this out. I'm gonna be so mad if you my cut name, this out. So, uh, you know, you're not allowed to say my real name on here, so they'll never find it. I can just can I just say the name of your play? No. Well, I guess then you find people. Oh, okay, that's not fine. Fair. You can say the name of the one that's acceptable. The other one you may not. Why? They're both great. Okay. Well. The solo one. <laughs> no, no. There's one good one and one not good one. There's one okay one and there's one bad one. That's what I. That's what I'll say. Yeah, I don't think that's true, um, but I've been obsessed with Outside the Factory Gates. Mm. If you want to look that up on Spotify, dear listeners. That is the okay one. They're both great, and if they find one, they'll find the other. It has something to do with the. How's your How's your beard looking? I think you should dye it the color blue. No, <laughs> no, no. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. I will say, though, that if you want to look up my band, Diane Motel, which is where I do use the name Travis Labor. Oh, yeah, um, you can also look up that. Diane Motel is the I band. still have your poster from that, Lonesome for the Color. Yeah, yeah, our, our record, Lonesome for the Color, that came out in 2017. It's the only record that Diane Motel will release, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, yeah. It's a good I one. I don't, like plugging, I don't like plugging my music on here, but now you're You didn't. It, so. You didn't yeah. plug shit. I did. I will, I will support people going and listening to Diamond Hotel because that was a collective effort. It's not just me. So, um, And yeah. I will support people going to listen to Outside the Factory Gates as well as Diamond Hotel. Sure. 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 <laughs> You're cute. Well, Star, let's okay, bye. And get the fuck out of here. Okay, I suppose. Uh...